Hey, my name is Genesis, and we want to welcome you to Free Life Chapel. Here at FLC, we want to help you discover and live the free life in Christ. Listen, we are so excited you decided to tune in with us today, but if you're ever in the Central Florida area, come check us out. We are all about family, and we would love to connect with you face-to-face. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and how you can be a part of our FLC family, check us out at freelifechapel.org. We can't wait to connect with you. Until then, check out this message that's in store just for you. It's a wonderful, exciting season here at Free Life Chapel as we're actually launching today a season of generosity. A season of generosity. What, what's wonderful about that and the reason you should be excited about that is Generosity is two ways, that whenever we bring our generosity, it's only in response to God's generosity. And since God will be a debtor to no man, he responds with generosity. Is it, is it okay if God generously lavished your home, lavished your life, blessed you beyond where you are right now? Anybody, could, could you handle more? Could you handle more in your life right now? Listen, if your neighbor's not raising their hand, then you get to take theirs also. You get yours and you get theirs. We, we take it all. We take it all. We've been in a series in the month of September called 52. 52, we're going 52 weeks, we're going hard, we're not playing. I'm not on and off, back and forth, try it, don't try it. No, it's all in, complete commitment. There's nothing to turn back to, putting on the jersey, going full court. I'm out of the stands, I'm off the sidelines, I'm on the court, I'm sweating. I'm leaving everything on the court, on the field. That's what I'm here to do. That's what the Christ follower life is all about. There's no pause button to our faith. We're all in, like everything we do. What does the book say? That's the way I will live my life. Every principle, every piece. I'm not going to go around any parts. I'm going to do it all. We go hard every week. That's the series that we've been in. And today, we step into Imagine Sunday for here, us here at Free Life. Now, if this is your first Sunday with us, or this is not typically your home church, we're so glad you're here. I want you to hear the word today, and I'll have more to say in a minute. But this is a very dynamic, special Sunday as we we begin to launch the future of free life in this 2023 year. We do this once a year, and today is that day. I, uh, I, I did something last night that uh, was interesting. I Google searched weight loss pill. And the response hit in 0.49 seconds, and there was 2.75 billion results. Try it yourself. Not now. I'm preaching. Do not do that right now. I'm going to try the phone. No, stop that. 2.75 billion results in less than half a second for weight loss pill. Always promising a better body. I'm not going to ask how many of you were a part of that group, but in 2022, there was $33 billion spent on weight loss products. I have contributed all my life. I have battled weight all my life. Something about Reese cups and weight. I'm not sure what the issue is with all of that, but 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 it happens a way of packing on. I, I it. I understand what this. What's interesting to me is we spend 33 billion on weight loss, and the FDA keeps telling us lose more weight, lose more weight, lose more weight because we need better health. The bottom line is this. This was shocking, but the bottom line is this. The world is full of miracle cures, but it rarely ever delivers on its promises. 
Again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand if you bought the latest, greatest bottle of something that's just going to make it just drip away while you're sleeping and drinking your milkshake. All of a sudden, the weight is going to drip right off you. Liar, liar, pants on fire. It did not. My pants got tighter. The world rarely delivers, but here's the problem. Here's the damaging result of that. We live skeptical of any more big promises. We're cynical about it. We hear, you can do this. Mm, Yeah, right. What's the hook? I doubt it. Doesn't work. In fact, when we hear big promises, usually the first thing that happens inside of us is we have resistance and we start building excuses as to why it won't work and why I won't be involved. That's usually our first response. It's very interesting how, how we work that way. And my question then it goes to this, is why is it that we keep buying the pills? Because it's only a growing industry. Uh, even though we're skeptical, why do we keep buying the pills? And I've concluded this, deep down we are all still seeking the best version of ourselves. And we have a hope that just maybe the next time this could be it. Like, like maybe this will turn it around and, and maybe this will actually be possible in my life. It's it's with this skepticism and this natural pushback that we all run with. We've been programmed by in culture. It's with this in mind that I want to offer you something today. I want to tell you about something that's going to radically improve every area of your life. It's going to make you happier. It will make you healthier. It's going to make you more fulfilled. It's going to give you a legacy that's going to actually outlive your life. It's going to bless the generations coming behind you in your family. This is a promise, and you can look at it and go, well, yeah. I've heard this kind of thing before, but I want you to hear me. This is God's plan for your life to take you that you would not just have life, but life more abundant in every area of your life. He wants your home blessed. He wants your health blessed. He wants your mind blessed. He wants you full of joy. He wants you to be a joy giver, a joy producer. You and I are to be living our lives on point, full of everything God's word says. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. The desire for your best life is God-given. If you don't want more in life, well, then there's something broken. You should want more than what you have right now. Because until you get more, you can't be a blessing to somebody else. And God made us not to live for ourselves. We are made fashion. The greatest joy and fulfillment comes not out of what we get, but what we're able to give and produce for other people. And so God wired us to want more. Why would we want more? Because you serve a God that wants more. And so since you and I are just like him, we should desire more in life. The truth is, I've I, I, I heard people say, oh, I don't want any more. I'm just satisfied with where I am. And I just want to say, liar, liar, pants on fire. It's not true. Everybody in this room wants more. If I said I'm going to give you $100 more for doing that job, would you do it? Well, yeah, thank you. Good. And if you don't want it, I'll take yours and mine. We should want more in life. Your best life is not just God-given. It's achievable. But it, we've got to do it God's way. And I want to take you there, and I want to talk to you about that today. What is God's way? One of these ways. This way is just as real as salvation, just as real as the cross, just as real as Jesus raising from the dead. Because it's not just a core value at Free Life. It is biblical. It is solid. The truth comes from this right here. It's modeled all through the Word of God. And this biblical key is partnering with God through generosity. 
This is, this is a Bible principle. This is not something that leadership came up with. It's not something a church came up with. This is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus told us. It's what God's word lays out and models. And generosity is such a bigger word than your money. Would you stop holding on to your wallet so tight right now? Oh my God, stop it. Generosity is broad. Generosity is far-reaching. Generosity is impactful. In way, when you don't have much of anything, the generosity can flow in your life. We can be generous in multiple ways, and I'm going to be getting into that soon, how we can live this generous life and experience every promise connected to it. I know I hear people right now, oh no, the preacher's talking about money. Well, you're wrong. I'm talking about something much more valuable than money. I'm talking about your heart. Because the Bible says that where our resources go, it actually reflects, reflects where your heart is. Open your checkbook, open your account, and look at all the places where you have spent money, where you have a running record. Look at your credit card statement. It'll show where your heart is. Publix, 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 Publix. <laughs> Starbucks, 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 Starbucks. Netflix, 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 Netflix. Free Life Chapel, Free Life Chapel, Free Life Chapel. Free. It, it, it's, 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 it shows, it shows what matters to us. We see this, we see this all through the Word. Uh, in, in, in this, this past month, we, we looked at a, at a lady, Janita just sang about it, the woman with the alabaster box. But I, I want to take time to just real quickly this morning read this, this story, just a few verses here. And if you're with us for the first time, um, whenever you see highlighted words on the screen, everybody reads that part together. But I'll read the other parts. But I want you to see the full synopsis of this story, how it breaks down, because it's kind of shocking. It really is. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly, but Jesus replied... Leave her alone. Why criticize? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This story is amazing. Jesus, the, the room is filled with Jesus' disciples. These are, these are guys who had heard him teach, watched him do miracles, do the crazy, you've got to be kidding me stuff. They were there. They were there. They saw it. They heard it. And then Mary walks in the room. Leave it to a woman to wreck the room. Mary walks in the room, and she pulls out this bottle of perfume, this, this alabaster. And the Bible says she breaks it open and pours it on Jesus' head, and something crazy happens. The guys go nuts when this happens. In fact, let me just kind of just lead you through this. The first thing that happens here is she gives extravagantly. Do you understand, we, we just read this in the passage, that the perfume that she gave was worth one year's wages. Could you imagine turning to your spouse and saying, by the way, I think I'm going to give this entire year's wages to church on Sunday? 
The entire year? You've got to be kidding me. Are you one full year's wages? That's what she did. It was costly. It was expensive. It was sacrifice. It was some considered over the top. It wasn't casual giving. This was kamikaze. I'm going broke. I'm going all in. I'm bringing this to Jesus. She gave extravagantly. Number two, she gave unapologetically. I'm not asking permission. I don't need you to like what I'm about to do. I don't really care what your opinion is. You see, the disciples considered her gift too much. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that for Jesus. Watch, Jesus doesn't need it. The poor need it. You, you, you shouldn't be doing that for him. That church doesn't need it. You should be doing it as a charity. And Jesus pushed back and said, wait a minute, let me help you with something here. Jesus said, the poor will always be here. That doesn't mean we can't impact and we can't help those who are in need because Jesus was actually referencing a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 15 where the passage says, you will have the poor with you always and you should be giving to help and do things to charitably increase and bless your neighbors. That's Deuteronomy 15. They knew exactly what he was saying. He didn't say walk around them. He said, you can do those things daily. He said, but this gift is for me. In other words, Jesus said, don't consider what she did as as charity that's for people that are in need what she did was sacrifice in worship that's different and Jesus said and it's good what she's done that's next level she gave extravagantly she gave unapologetically and she gave from watch this gratitude I'm grateful not with gratitude from gratitude have you ever been so grateful you did something crazy? Like you just run, run up and hug somebody and didn't even know them? Oh, my God! And you're like hugging a stranger or just like you just responded like you. you it, her, her, her overwhelming gratefulness for what Jesus had done in their life, it pushed her to make steps that didn't make sense to people, but they don't know what Jesus did for her. Let me just ask you, anybody in this room got a testimony that Jesus has done something for you that you can't even tell the whole story because it's been too personal, it's been too good? Would you tell somebody beside you, God's been so good to me, he's, he's been so good to me? Yes. Can I tell you something? That's everybody's witness in this room. Everybody's got a story that we don't deserve to be here right now. But God didn't bail on us when people did. God stayed there when everything, when I didn't believe in myself, he kept believing. Hope kept coming from somewhere. What is that? It's because God was relentless. She gave from gratitude. It was heart-driven, not obligation. She didn't have to do that. She went above and beyond because she was focused on Jesus, not the opinions of people. I'm doing something to honor him. The result is amazing. Jesus received her worship. Jesus defended her sacrifice. And Jesus connected her to his story. I love this because the, the religious in the room pushed back on her. And she, they, were, they, were, they, were them, they were beating her down verbally. And guess what? Mary didn't say a word. Jesus spoke up. Oh, I love that part right there. Can you imagine when they're going, man, Mary, I can't believe you. You wasted that money. And then all of a sudden, Jesus goes, <clears throat> I have something to say. 
I mean, you'd want to hit the ground and kind of crawl out as fast as you can right there. Like, uh-oh, rut roll. We, we woke up the big dog here. Because Mary said nothing, and Jesus stepped in, and he pointed his finger, and he began to put things back in order. And he qualified, sanctioned, celebrated what she did and used her as a marker that not only is she doing it, this is something that should be raised to the standard that everybody steps into this level. This was a holy moment. He received her worship, he defended her sacrifice, and he connected her to his story for the rest of his life. How I many you know if Jesus receives you, defends you, and connects you to his story, you probably got an upgrade in life right there. Things probably got a little bit better in life. Like, dang, that's what we're all looking for. That's what he did. But I want to give you a brutal reality check here that, that you're not, you typically don't hear in church. But I want to tell you anyway because welcome to Free Life Chapel. This is the reality. God has no need for your money, your worship, or your service. He doesn't need it. He, he just doesn't need it. What do you give somebody who has everything? Okay, let me help you. Psalm 24, verse 1. Psalm 24, verse 1. Read it with me. One, two, three. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Tell me something. Which part of that verse says God has a deficit, and if I don't give him something, he's going to go without? The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, and everybody in it. It's all his. This is not telling me that God has a need. In fact, it's telling me God doesn't even need us to build the future of Free Life Chapel, which is what Imagine is about. As we're leveraging, we realize that God's blessed our life, and my response to him is to worship him with extravagant uh, uh, generosity, saying, thank you for healing. Thanks for your future. Thanks for putting me on a firm foundation. Thanks for getting me out of the addiction. Thanks for restoring my family. I, there was no hope outside. I can't treat this as casual. Jesus, you changed everything in my life. Nobody knows what you did in me. I've got to respond in this. He doesn't, he doesn't need us. In fact, let me put it this way. God is so self-sufficient that the need that we talk about, the need that God has, that need is a fabricated opportunity for us to connect with him. And then he blesses us for it. Cindy made mention in the office, and it's so true. That's like when I'm sitting there and I call Malachi over, and I ask him to take something and go throw it away. And Malachi comes over and he takes it, and he goes to the trash can and throws it away. And then he turns around and goes, <laughs> and guess what I do? Whoop, whoop, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm celebrating with him. Did I need Malachi to throw something away? No, it was a fabricated opportunity for him to connect with me so that we could enjoy fellowship and celebration of him together. That's all that was. God doesn't need anything, but when we say God needs, we're saying God fabricated, made up, worked to put together an opportunity for me to connect with him so that I can experience relational growth in with him. See, generosity is a key all through the Bible. 
And again, it's not just resources, and it's not massive wealth. It's a heart leveraged towards God to know him, love him, worship him, say thank you in a radical way. The nation of Israel, the Bible's written all about Israel. This nation is crazy. They're in bondage for over 400 years. God comes in, breaks them out of bondage, out of Egypt. Not only is that amazing that he broke them free out of Egypt, but then they're running and they hit this big place called the Red Sea. They don't know what to do. God splits the Red Sea wide open. They walk through on dry ground. Then here comes Pharaoh and all of his army behind him. Then he closes up the water at the exact moment to destroy their past so they don't have to worry about that in their future. And when they come out the other side, when they make it to the other side, here's what God says. Would you all please build me a place to worship? It's like, you did all of that, you can build your own place to worship. If you can split the Red Sea, you don't need me to do anything for you. But what God was saying is, I did that for you. Now, out of your gratitude and your generosity, would you plug in with me and would you build a place that we can worship you? Watch this, Exodus chapter 25. Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Don't manipulate a Moses. If their heart is excited and grateful, their hearts are going to want to give. Let them give from their heart. Let them give from their worship. I could build it myself, but I choose to allow you to be a part of the process. And when you do, the blessing is going to come back to your life. Did it with Israel. What about this guy? How about the little boy with the Happy Meal? Okay, the five loaves, two fishes. You've heard of that guy, right? He's he's walking around with a Happy Meal. Jesus is out teaching in in, in the middle of of this wilderness area, and everybody's hungry, and they come to Jesus. Jesus, people got to eat, and Jesus goes, bring me some food. Andrew goes, we ain't got no food except for this, the Happy Meal. And the little boy comes up. They didn't strong arm it out of the little boy's head. They didn't rip the little kid off and kick him to the bushes. They, the little boy comes and gives his hat. He took the toy out, but he gave the happy meal. I would have taken the toy out. Jesus don't need the toy. I, he gave them the happy meal. Jesus takes it, blesses it, and begins to distribute it to thousands of people. You see, Jesus didn't need the lunch. He can turn stones into bread. Jesus needs, that's ridiculous. He needs nothing. But his request was an opportunity for someone to step into Jesus' story and do something with him that we're still talking about 2,000 years later, this little boy who was working in the miracle with God. What about this one? What about the guy with, that owned the two donkeys that Jesus rode into Jerusalem? Y'all remember this dude? We don't talk about him a whole lot. But Jesus is about to make his triumphal entry into into Jerusalem four days before he's going to be crucified. And Jesus tells the disciples, yo, listen, go to, in fact, let's just read it. It's just verse Matthew chapter 21. Look at this. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, and he will immediately let you take them. Jesus told the disciples, go down the street. There's a guy down there. He owns a mama donkey and a baby donkey. A mama donkey and a baby donkey. A mama donkey and a baby donkey. I need both of them donkeys. And I want you to bring them. And when you get there, if they say, hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Say, the Lord needs them. And he will give them to you. And the man who owned the donkeys gave them for Jesus to ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. You know that guy was walking in the parade with Jesus? My donkeys. 
He got to meet one of these. But can I tell you what's crazy about this need? This need was created 500 years before the man was even born. Zechariah chapter 9, he prophesies that Jesus will come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and its colt. 500 years before this happens, God said, I'm going to go ahead and pre-sign, pre-assign a need, and there's going to be a man out of his generosity. He doesn't have a bunch of money, but he's got a couple of resources that he could invest. And so it's his opportunity in order to get involved in what I'm doing, and he can elevate Christ. And I'm going to use a man who's willing to get involved in order to present Jesus to the world as the Messiah who came to take away the sins of all the people. It was an opportunity more than a need. Someone shout, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. God doesn't have a need. What about this one? Joseph of Arimathea. I'm telling you, it's all through the Bible. Jesus dies on the cross. And they're about to pull his body off and throw him in a, in a fiery pit where they throw all of the prisoners, all of the criminals. And a guy named Joseph of Arimathea walks up and goes, wait, 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 don't do that. It's my savior. He begs for the body, and he takes him down. He goes, I got a family tomb that we can put him in. And by the way, I heard him teach, and he said he's only going to need it for three days, so the first Airbnb is up in here right now, and so I'm going to go ahead and just set this down. And so he, he pulls Jesus, and he puts him in his tomb. Jesus, he's, he's, actually, he's actually saw an opportunity to serve a dead Jesus. And he put his body in a tomb. And when he did that, he knew Jesus, quote unquote, needed a tomb because you can't resurrect unless you've been laid down. And if he's going to defeat death, hell, and the grave, he needs to be in the grave in order to come out. So Joe goes, I got something I can do. I can participate. I found a need that God has. I'm going to get involved only to be a part of the miracle of watching Jesus come back. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm telling you. In every situation, every person that gave, every person that operates in generosity, every person that stepped into the fabricated need of God always walked away with more than what they, they came with, more than what they gave. Israel, because they gave and created a place for God to live among them, they had the presence of God, the protection of God, and the provision of God. Would anybody like that in your house ever for the next 40 years? Like, boom, resident, God right there. That's exactly what Israel did. That was what they received. The little boy with the lunch, he gave his, his happy meal. He kept the toy. He gave his happy meal. But the Bible says that when they finished distributing everything, they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. I heard preachers preach all my life and they gave one basket to every one of the disciples. Kiss my grits. It was not the disciples' happy meal. It was the little boy's happy meal. And because he was willing to release it, 12 times came back into his life because he was willing to trust God. What about the man with the donkeys? He's there fulfilling a 500-year prophecy. He got his donkeys back because Jesus didn't need him. And he now goes down in history as one who helped prop Jesus up as the Messiah, the Lamb of God. That was his. What about Joseph in the tomb? Are you kidding me? The miracle of the 
resurrection took place in his real estate. He said, come to my house. Do miracles here because there's a day coming that I'm going to die. And when I die, they're going to put my body in the same spot Jesus was laying. And if Jesus got up from that spot, maybe a little bit of that residue of Jesus is laying right there on that. Maybe I, I'm just saying there's a connection there. He got his tomb back, but he also is connected to the story. The woman with the alabaster box. She gave extravagantly and Jesus, as I said, received her, defended her. And then he says something in the very last verse of what we read. Watch this. I'm almost done. Mark 14, verse 9. Read this with me out loud. One, two, three. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. We're still talking about her 2,000 years later because her gift, her generosity, her worship, it's not the money, it's the heart worship. It changed everything. We lose nothing. We gain everything when we connect our lives to God's story. Can I help you with something? There's a story being written in Lakeland, Florida. There's a narrative that's being laid out right now. It started in 2011. A bunch of folks showed up at the Lakeland Center. Some of y'all were there. How many of you were at the Lakeland Center on night number one? Look, look at this. I'm loving you. I'm going to kiss all y'all on the jaw right after church. All right, just, I'm, just, I'm just coming at you. Load in, load out. Four years and ten months. Some of y'all just skipped all the work. I see you just showed up when we got here, but that's all right. I still have pictures in my phone of the Thompson kids who were dragging bins of toys down the hallways at the Lakeland Center in order to set up for kids' church, laying asleep against the wall because they were there early in the morning. I've got amazing, but people paid a price to load in, load out, set up screens, projectors, get everything ready for kids, take over the whole place. We, we were in every venue in the Lakeland Center. We told people, you'll love us if you can find us, but just look for it. And we had greeters all over the place because we never knew where we were going to end up. Moved into this place. People were giving at the Lakeland Center with the understanding that a day is coming that God's going to open doors and put us inside of a place. How many of you are glad that people gave at the Lakeland Center so we could have a place like this to worship in? Aren't you grateful? I am. I am. Yes. Look, 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 look. The people that were in the Lakeland Center had never been here. They didn't know anything about this, but they had a vision. I want to worship God. I want to be a part of his story. How can I do something to contribute? And because they were faithful there, God opens doors here and boom, here we are now. Oh, and then, and then we, we, we went here again in an Imagine project a few years ago, and we said, in order to expand the vision, we need more property. So we said, we're going to buy five more acres. And everybody at Free Life jumped in during an Imagine project and went hard. And we added five more acres, so we now have 26 acres acres right here. That was during one of these moments of advance, getting involved in God's story for this house. Oh, you, you should be really glad because during another Imagine, there used to be purple pews all through this place. It looked like Barney exploded everywhere in here. The pews are gone. Y'all got your tushes sitting in a nice, comfortable, padded seat right now. Got a little armrest. Hey. People worshiped God with generosity to provide and elevate his house 
to make a place where people can come and connect the unchurched, dechurched, and overchurched. Let's keep going after them. It's amazing. What one one year? One year. Some of you watching online right now, Polk CI. People at Free Life Chapel said, we want to help men at Polk CI. We believe in them and their future. And we're going to give sacrificially for men that we've never met before, don't have a clue who they are, but believe Jesus can touch and change their life. And gave and gave and gave to launch the campus there at Polk CI. And it's running hard today. And hundreds of men are confessing Jesus because people got involved in God's story at Free Life Chapel. This past week, the Blend leadership, Pastor Caleb and the Blend leadership, they were at Lake Gibson High School working conjunction with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Went to, went, went to Lake Gibson High School and during lunchtime, this, this past Friday, this past Friday, during lunchtime, it's completely volunteer. Kids don't have, to do, don't have to come. They can come if they want to, but because of the work and because of being with the teams and working with all the different, uh, meeting with the, with, the, with the educators and all they came with the administration serving the school, when they showed up and they had their first FCA of the year, 393 students showed up to hear about Jesus during lunch at Lake Gibson High School. Tomorrow, tomorrow, myself with, with many of the team from Polk CI, we're going into Polk CI. We're holding our first baptism service of all the men who have said yes to Jesus. We got three inflatable pools, and they're all getting baptized to, to, to move their life in Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this is because people believed in the story. I want to connect myself to the story. What, God, what are you doing? Let me get involved in that. That's what, that's what this is about that you're wearing. Imagine what God can do. When we actually connect to his story, not with something cute, not with something token, but I'm going to walk in some crazy generosity. I've never done this before, but I'm taking a step towards you out of extreme gratitude. I'm worshiping you with the best that I've got. And the best is different things across this room. I don't want you to bring him resources. I want you to bring him your heart. And I want you to express it in that capacity. That's, that's what we do at Free Life Chapel. You see... If he is my provider, then my money is not mine. He's the supplier of everything. I'm a steward of what he blessed me with. And so when I steward it properly, I realize his need is my opportunity to move my life forward. So, so just listen to this phrase, and I'm going to wrap it. I'm done with this. God is asking, asking me, asking you, to use the resources he gave us to meet a need he doesn't have. So we can connect our lives to his story and his name and then get blessed for it on the other side. I, I can't find the lose. I can't find the negative. I can't find the, oh, I got took. This is not a weight loss pill promise. This is next level in what he's offering. And this step of honoring, loving, worshiping through my generosity is one of the biblical principles of advancing your life and my life. I'm challenging you to join with us during this Imagine Project. Now, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, I'm inviting all visitors, please do not participate. There is no pressure. Would you just chill out? In fact, we want to give you a free drink at Aroma. Thanks for coming today. We love to give. Generosity is one of our core values. That's who we are. But this is a family meeting. This is a family, like we're doing some things to take some hard steps forward.
We actually, though, a few years ago when we were at the Lakeland Center, had a man who was with us for the first time, heard us mention the Imagine Project, and his heart was touched. He was from up north. He'd never been to Free Life. His heart was touched by what he heard. He went home, and four days later, he wired $100,000 to Free Life. He said, i got to be a part of that right there. It was his worship. I want to connect. I want to be a part of God's story there. And we get the chance to celebrate. He loves seeing what's going on, to move here, all these things. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't outgive God. And many of you have never experienced this level of giving. I know tithe and offering, that's a huge step. It is. But this is something above and beyond tithe and offering. There are moments throughout the Bible where God says, bring that extreme generosity and honor me. And there's something connected to that. Remember, Jesus said, this is not about taking care of the poor and the needy. This is about honoring me. And I defend it, I qualify it, and I'll bless it. We hope this message encouraged you. And to hear more encouraging messages, check us out at our website at freelifechapel.org. Until then, we hope to see you next time.